0: We learned from an early age that masked and armored is the safe and sane way to live, writes Parker J. Palmer in A Hidden Wholeness. Yet there is an epidemic of loneliness in the world, and it's only getting worse. Welcome, I'm Krista with a AlifeInProgress.ca. I'm a writer, grief and trauma-informed mind-body coach, joyful living educator. Um, My work is for freedom seekers, truth tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers, the anxious, grieving, messy, and healing, reforming people pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers, brave, weary, and curious humans ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, health, and joy. I'm glad you're here. So research tells us that loneliness has the same health impact as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. A 2021 Canadian survey reported that more than one in 10 Canadians always or often feel lonely. A 2020 loneliness report told us that 52% of Americans feel lonely and 47% of Americans say their relationships do not feel meaningful. As an HSP and strong introvert myself, I crave deep heart-to-heart connection, trustworthy, safe connection. Small talk is hard for me. Um and and as as I, Or even though I crave this type of deep, meaningful connection, I've also had a tendency or an instinct to withdraw, isolate. And I've had to learn over the years to move against that instinct, to make a bid for connection when I'm feeling low, and to risk vulnerability, to build my own community, and to get creative about meeting my needs for community. So this is one of the paradoxes of life. We're wired for connection, we need each other. Yet it's often better, healthier to be alone than to stay in places where of unhealthy relationship or community. So what do we do about this? So my work centers around midlife women. And in midlife, there's many reasons why we may feel lonely or disconnected. So I invite you, you know, I'll share a few ideas, certainly not attempting to encompass all of the possibilities. So I invite you to consider, if you're interested, what's going on in your own life? Are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling disconnected? Is there a lack of community in your life? And what are some of the factors at play? So. We have, all of us have, a a story, an internal story of either connection or protection. While I'm not going to go deeper into this, um, often if we've experienced trauma or grief, for instance, or um, other life circumstances that have shown us that people aren't always trustworthy and we have to live on guard or Um, on high alert all the time, we probably have a story of protection. Some people have a story of connection. They trust people. They um, naturally turn towards others. Um, So you could consider like, what do you think your internal story is right now? Mine, for instance, I used to have a story of connection after my son died or as I was trying to keep him alive and then the years that had followed. I have clearly had a story of protection for a good reason. I am slowly trying to come out of that shell a little bit and test the waters. Um, Language barriers, being an immigrant, um, moving around, you know, these things naturally can make it harder to connect. My husband is an immigrant, English is his third language. So, you know, that is a factor in his life. Um, Midlife women, we're often pulled in so many different directions. You know, that uh, classic sandwich generation thing might be happening in your life. You've got kids kind of flying the nest. Um, They still need a lot of you. Um, Aging parents, maybe Um, your work, your health. Your marriage, you know, um, you're just, there's so many needs, and it may be hard to actually give attention to your relationships um, or even those relationships that actually fill you back up. Family can be weirdly messy and complicated at times. Um, Even if you really love your family, some seasons are harder than others. And a lack of modeling around healthy boundaries is a huge factor for the midlife women that I work with. So loneliness and solitude are not the same thing. And I want to point that out. Um, again, I'm an HSP, highly sensitive human, strong introvert. Um, I love solitude. I crave it like air. Um, a lot of you know what I'm talking about. And and so loneliness is is a sense of lack, maybe even pain. Whereas solitude is generally like fills us up and it's good for all of us, introvert and extrovert alike. So the highly sensitive person and the introvert need a lot more just to kind of come back up to baseline and feel good in our bodies and lives so that we can engage with others joyfully. If you're like me, you probably have noticed that you can feel lonely in a crowd quantity of people does not resolve loneliness. Not for all of us anyways, the extrovert may be recharged in situations just with the buzz and energy of other humans around. But if you're an introvert or a highly sensitive person, chances are you need quality over quantity. And again, I'm not going to spin off into this, but neurodivergence impacts our sense of connection many of us have thought, you know, from the earliest of age that we were bad, wrong, or broken. I spoke about this in episode one, I believe. Um, It can lead, it has led in many cases to social anxiety um, or feelings like, you know, of always being on the periphery of, or of masking and trying to figure out how do we engage in social situations because our our normal way doesn't seem to be well received so that can definitely lead to that story also of protection um and and i guess just a little side note here if you are a highly sensitive human empathic strong introvert you may have felt also like something was wrong with you because of your need for alone time. It's possible that your family and friends don't get it. And, And what's helpful is if you come to terms with that this is part of your wiring and this is one of the things that helps you feel like thrive in life and relationships. It's not optional, it's a need, not a want. And there might be, um, you know, opportunities or uh, reasons why having this conversation with people in your inner circles will really serve you and your relationships. So I also want to talk about the difference between social support and social connection. Both are important and really, like really important to our well-being, but they're not the same. And if we have social support in our lives, without social connection, we can still feel deeply lonely. So social support can look like um, your therapist, your GP or medical doctor, your um, Pilates instructor, your um in some cases, even a faith community. And social connection is those places where you go deeper, you really have each other's backs, you know each other, you can risk and be vulnerable with each other. Um, This is where you, you know, this is kind of like social connect, social support is at a kind of a more of a, you know, a level up here. And it's meeting a need, and it matters. But then to kind of go deeper, you need that social connection. Many of us, all we need is one other human who truly sees us, who will listen, um, who will witness or companion. And, um, and that when we're, if, 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 for instance, we're ever in a crisis or something, you can call on each other. So We really do want to be aware that both of these matter for our mind-body health, our emotional health, spiritual health, and it is important that we consciously build these systems of support into our lives. So I want to talk to you about my circle of impact exercise. If you've worked with me, if you've been in my brave and beautiful community or worked with me as a client you've heard about this. Um, I will, for those of you for whom this is brand new, I will link to a blog post in the show notes and that'll walk you through kind of how to test out this practice for yourself. Um, but basically, emotional emotions and mental states are contagious, positive or negative. We do need to choose our inner circles wisely. We... We are so impacted by the voices, the behaviors, even as I just said, the emotional or mental states of the people closest to us. And if they are not healthy influences and if they are not helping us walk in integrity or stay true to our values or be who and how we wanna be in the world, then it might serve us to move them out of our inner circles, a little bit further into our, what I call our circle of impact, or even in some cases completely out if possible. So the way that I envision this is um, an expanding circle um, and it's bi-directional and this isn't just made up. There are science around this that uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like, um, friends of friends of friends, like they're having a direct influence often on our marriages and other um, parts of our lives. It's really weird sometimes to read this. But basically, you know, we have these rungs of impact. All of us do, whether we're conscious of it or not. And it is bi-directional. So we're having an impact on all of these other places and people and they're having an impact on us. So as we wake up to this, we become more self-aware and we take action to build healthy circle of circles of impact where possible, it improves our well-being. It serves us. So I envision us at the center and then. Um, there are these, you know, five to seven, say, I I only go out that far, like five to seven, say, rungs. And um, are, you know, so for me, my husband and children are in that innermost rung. And in the next rung, I have some, my closest friends. Um, And then it expands and I place people on that all of the forms of social support and social connection would go on these rungs. And in the blog post that I'll link to, it explains that what's most beneficial is to do three different passes of this, three three drafts. So the first one's kind of like a brain download. You just, you don't worry about perfection, right? You just kind of dump anybody you're connected with, any form of community, your workplace, et cetera. And you just kind of do your best to kind of get people on your circle. And then you do a pass through and you start thinking about your values. Very helpful to have clarity around your core values. Um, And also, I think in the last episode, I talked at least a bit about having a, um, so our core values, and then a mantra or focus for the year, and then what I call mind-body-spread intentions. So if you do those first, those will be your filter. They will serve you well as you decide who and what deserves space on the circle of impact, and especially like who deserves space in your inner circles. Um, But we can start to move people around. We may notice things like, we have a whole lot of open space. We may notice that we are an extrovert and a social connector, and we're trying to cram everybody into these circles and constantly feel pulled in way too many directions. We can never, um, you know, we can never really attend to any relationship because we're just, we have no hierarchy or no filter. Um, You know, so anyway, so we learn a lot. It's a really great exercise in self-awareness. We learn a lot about ourselves, our current patterns, our current reality. Then I usually recommend kind of walk away for a couple of weeks and then come on back. And that's where you might do a third draft. Because what happens in that interim space is that you start to notice things. You start to notice maybe boundary violations. You start to notice... Which relationships actually drain you and which fill you up? It doesn't mean automatically that if a relationship drains you, that it's bad or wrong. There can be people that you truly love and you're showing up for them in this season with intention. And also it takes a lot out of you. And that may just be information that you need a lot of padding around that relationship or you need to really make sure that you're like, you know, if you're taking care of somebody, say, who struggles with their mental health, it may be a signal to you to make sure that your mental health needs are being met so that you can show up in a healthy way as you love them. Okay, so I'm going to leave that there um, and move on. So what do you do, though, if you notice that your circle of impact has lots of open space? This is where sometimes shame, judgment, um, storytelling come into play. We think something's wrong with us. We may notice, for instance, that these old stories, root beliefs come up around um, that we picked up in childhood around, you know, like, for instance, like I said, if you are a neurodivergent, and many midlife women are getting diagnosed late, later in life, in the midlife season. But you you have work to do if that's you, you have a lot of work to do probably to unravel these stories that you picked up over the past decades, about who you are. And um, if you're good, if something's wrong with you, How you should be conforming or able to measure up, keep up, be like, sound like, dress like other people, you know, whatever the story is. Um, So whatever, if you choose to complete that circle of impact exercise, whatever comes up for you, as much as possible, try to release shame and judgment around it. It just is information. The only way that we can um, be, have agency in our lives and make clear, informed decisions is to bring awareness to the current reality, right? So self awareness is always that starting point. But if we bring heap shame and judgment on that, it's going to keep us stuck. When we can notice any shame or judgment or unhelpful stories that arise and bring compassion to them, that creates an openness that allows us to be able to move forward into a new possibility. So no shame or judgment allowed. You may need to get creative about filling the gaps in your life around social support and social connection. So. Again, I'd like to just kind of circle back. So what are we talking about? We're talking about community matters for all of us, including the highly sensitive human, including the busy midlife woman, including the strong um, introvert. None of us are exempt from this reality. We need each other, but also we need healthy, safe, and what I call brave communities. So what if you don't have you know, people in your local community, what if you have been working your butt off to grow into a healthier self, um, your tr- grow into your true self. And that has naturally meant releasing old relationships. And you're kind of in that liminal space where you, you know, you've let go, you're trying to do your healthy work, but you haven't yet found your people, so to speak. Um, you may need to get creative. You may need to challenge old stories or preconceived ideas about what friendship should look like. So one of the common things that comes up for me in my and in my workspaces is that online friends and community is just as valid as in person. And in fact, for many of us, again, highly sensitive strong introverts uh, many neurodivergent humans online spaces are ideal it doesn't mean that we don't need any people face to face but we we may actually love and thrive and really like it just like it's a perfect fit for us to we meet friends online we make community online even, you know, we go to therapy online. COVID was interesting for that because a lot of us, um, it worked better for us in many ways that, say, like therapy was forced online in new ways. Grief circles were forced online. Even more educational opportunities moved online because they had to. Um, our needs weren't getting that well always in, you know, before. And now many of these things actually serve us way better. So there can be shaming and judgment. I'm hoping it's kind of loosening up a little bit these days, but I think it still exists. There is still sort of this idea that a real friend is only one that lives in your town and you can go for coffee with. And again, there is a gift in that, but it's not the only way. And for myself personally, I would rather have nobody in my local space if they're not healthy for me and instead get creative and um, and open myself up to these other humans who are much more growth-minded, like-minded, or, you know, um, that feel like a great fit for me. So many of my best friends I have met online over the years. And then we moved them to offline in a way where we, you know, we would travel to meet each other face-to-face on occasion. And But I don't need a lot of face-to-face engagement. And as I mentioned, like me, a lot of people like me, we need so much solitude that by the time we tend to our families and, you know, our work, we have so little energy left for other relationships. So, okay. So basically what I want to say is, you know, you build self-awareness, get to know yourself, name the truth of what is, and open yourself up to some new ideas or possibilities. There are many paths to a brave and beautiful life, many ways to meet people and and forge healthy relationship. My brave and beautiful community is another example where I love to learn, I'm kind of geeky, love talking about research, love deep diving, you know, these deep conversations. And so I've created a space where other women who like this type of thing gather from different corners of the world and we get to learn and grow and practice and share life together. Um, So, yeah, so I I guess another thing here, just a personal example, in case it's helpful, is when my son died, um, COVID hit home four months after that. And so the grief circle that I was able to attend um, was based in Colorado. I'm in Canada. I'm the only Canadian who joined, but they had to move online online. And one of my friends who I met through the loss of my son and her son, they died five days apart from each other. She's in Colorado. She was in this, had just joined this grief circle. And I was able to join as well. Like I could not have gone. First of all, I'm in a really small town. I needed a space only for grieving mothers. Um, For many of us in general, I know this is a side note, but It doesn't matter. It's really important. And not enough people are talking about the reality of grief um, and child loss and suicide loss. So general groups don't work. They can actually be really harmful in certain situations as with suicide loss. So I needed a very, a much more specific space to attend I would not have found that in my community. I would have had to travel a minimum 4-hour round trip to get to the nearest city. And also, I was in, I had PTSD. I was in severe panic disorder. I could not do that. So, you know, online spaces are often life-saving and life-giving. But the invitation here generally is can you get creative about getting some of your needs met? Oh, yeah, actually, I just want a couple more things popped into my brain. Um, you know, I've seen that in on Facebook groups, even you can find like local hiking groups or book clubs or, um, you know, other like singles groups, like whether you're looking for a romantic partnership or you want just companions like to go kayaking with. Often that's another way of getting creative about getting those needs met. Okay, and the caveat. While a lot of us do thrive with these online spaces, I do think that it's important to acknowledge that we do need people in our local communities. They may not, they don't have to be your best friends, but there is safety in community. So if you have a hip replacement, And you need somebody to drive you to the hospital or bring you a meal. Um, Your child dies. You need people to come alongside and help you um, bring to life a memorial or funeral. You're in a wildfire evacuation. And, you know, you're watching out for each other, helping each other as needed. Like these things matter. And that too is a form of important community. Again, it doesn't mean your closest or deepest friendships must be local it just means that also it's safe and healthy for us to look for ways that we can connect in meaningful ways or healthy ways within our local spaces not every relationship is forever and this has been something that has been really important for me to learn And when I offer this to the women in my workspaces, it's challenging and important as well. For whatever reason, like we as women are socialized, I believe to think that to be good, to be compassionate, um, we have to, you know, to be loyal and um, somehow you can never leave a relationship but naturally as we move through different seasons of life we must continue growing and relationships must continue to grow and evolve as well and some don't you know we can't force each other to be always at the same place or want the same things right um, you know, if you stuck always with your childhood friends or your college friends and you're healing and and, you know, learning how to set boundaries and and learning how to grow into your true self, et cetera, and this person isn't or they're just doing the same, but th- that means they're moving in a different direction. naturally, you know, there may be a natural end to that relationship, not always, but often. You know, some marriages where two people aren't committed to growth and healing and respectful relationship, there needs to be a parting of ways. Some relationships, you know, we tolerate for so long, again, out of being a good girl, or you know, we're trying to do the right thing at our own expense. We're constantly suppressing our own needs and our own integrity to keep showing up for other people. But There comes a time where we realize we matter too, and we need to let go of that relationship. It isn't wrong or bad that some relationships aren't forever. So I think that examining where this story is at play in our lives is true, is really helpful, no, I am clear, like, I want to grow into my true self. I want to, you know, and, and this is an invitation of the midlife crossroad, um, is that we start to examine the places and spaces where we have been spending time, we start to examine the stories and our, our root beliefs and Um, and release what no longer serves us to move closer and closer into true self or into integrity. So not every relationship is forever. That can be scary and risky. You know, another point here that I'd like to talk about, because again, really important in my workspaces for the midlife women that I have the privilege of connecting with. Um, And certainly in my own life, most of us have not had boundary setting or healthy boundaries modeled to us. It's something that we have had to learn on our own. And often you know, you might start learning like way earlier, that's great, but there's often a lot of growth in this area in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Now, some of the women I work with are in their 70s, and they're just starting to learn that too. Whatever age we're learning, it is fabulous, right? But, um, But it's something that we have to choose to develop Because it wasn't modeled to us. So boundary work. So brave, so healthy boundaries, just trying to find my words here. Healthy boundaries are essential for healthy relationships. Non-negotiable healthy boundaries are essential for healthy relationships. A healthy boundary is respectful and flexible. In many cases, there are exceptions where actually it is important for it to be more rigid in a certain season or with a certain person. Generally speaking, there's some flexibility, um, but that does not mean like you're constantly letting people violate your boundaries or you're violating your own boundaries. That's not what it means. But um, it's just that real life is messy. So sometimes there are exceptions to the rule. Um, but they're clearly communicated and respected. I'm not sure if I have ever worked with a woman in the past nine years that didn't have tremendous work to do in this area for their own freedom and happiness and health. So brave boundaries, so we're talking here about community matters, right? We want healthy community community though, and that necessitates skill building, Around um brave boundaries. So I offer two workshops on at a around boundary building if you're interested. Um, I also have some blog posts. I'm not going to link to them, but you can just search on my site. And I've linked to some resources in those posts as well, if you'd prefer like a book, a workbook, whatever. Um, And another part of, you know, the brave boundary conversation and the brave relationship conversation is that we're going to have to have brave, a.k.a. risky, vulnerable conversations at times with the people that we most want to be in relationship with. So I, I was at a family gathering this weekend um i have a really large family there are 12 siblings and um and i was talking to one of my brothers and um i won't go too much into this but it highlights this idea and we were talking about how he and one of my kids who has a very strong voice they sometimes bump in bump up against each other in conversation and and they love each other, they want a relationship. But I was pointing out to my brother that, you know, if she didn't care about you, she'd just walk away. She wouldn't bother saying anything. The only reason she bothers saying, hey, like that thing you said, that doesn't work for me or whatever, is because she wants a relationship. So, you know, it, it's interesting, and there's quite an age gap, right? He, that's her uncle, and he wants, he wants to. Be in relationship with her. And I love that. And um, and I too have noticed that in, in my development and with my inner circle women, the wise women in my inner circle, is that because they matter to me, because I love them and I hope that we can maintain healthy, respectful, growth-minded relationships. I'm willing to move through the discomfort to have a brave conversation for people further out or people just random people on the internet. I don't need to expend my energy because they don't matter to my life. It doesn't mean I don't care about well-being, generally speaking, you know, it doesn't or I don't wish them harm just means like I'm not going to invest myself in that. So it's it's a seed for thought you know and it's something that I have communicated at times to girlfriends as well is that I love you. And so I can we have this conversation. All right and a final thing I want to mention is that emotional intelligence or EQ is predictive of success and happiness in life, including career, work, and relationships. So if you want to put effort into building healthy community, I've offered lots of different ideas here, ways that you can get started. Um, Learn about how to build emotional intelligence. Do some boundary work. Read a book, take a workshop, start practicing. Notice where you violate your own boundaries. Notice your own somatic or internal cues that there's a boundary violation in your life. So in my body or in myself, I notice resentment. As soon as resentment bubbles up, I know without fail, there's a boundary violation. I might. It might be from me, it might be coming from me, it might be coming from somebody else, but it needs attention. Um, What would it look like, sound like, feel like to have a brave conversation with somebody that you do hope to maintain a healthy relationship with, but there's something that's getting in the way? Um, consider doing a circle of impact exercise. Would it help you, would would it serve you to get creative about meeting some of your needs for social support and social connection? Do you have enough solitude in your life? What are some of the factors at play that are keeping you isolated or disconnected or lonely? By the way, um, I didn't even choose to share about all of the health implications around loneliness They are many and they are significant. I'm not going to go into there because I really just, I don't want to focus on that. It's valid, but I want to focus on how can you be proactive and take imperfect action to build a life that feels joyful and healthy and meaningful. All right, so just kind of wrapping up slowly, imperfect action, what I recommend is you check out the circle of impact exercise. Give it a try. Just take, you know, it's so easy to do, although it may challenge you emotionally and you may be surprised at what you notice or learn, it will serve you. I I can 99.9% guarantee that it will serve you. So that's my best recommendation is look at the link that i've provided um head over there it walks you through how to do this exercise and just see what comes of it for yourself also let me know i would love to hear what i'm enjoying these days so i love having automated connection time so what i mean is in Where possible, I build connection into my calendar, literally into my Google calendar, and I put it on rinse and repeat. I automate it. So there are certain, like, first Thursday of the month, I chat with one of my friends, you know, um, different friend times. I have walks, walking partners built into the week. Same day of the week, same time, rinse and repeat. And the reason I do this is because, first of all, it lowers the bandwidth required in my day. I don't have to think about all of these things as much as possible. I like to create systems and rhythms so that it frees up my mental and emotional energy for other things. But also, practically speaking, our lives are full you know, we have kids, we have partners, we have work, we have, you know, grocery shopping, there's our own healthcare needs. Like there's so much stuff that if we left it to the last minute to constantly try to figure out, you know, can we connect? When can we connect? Ah, it would take so much time. And then we'd be booking three months down the road. So I love just building meaningful connection into my days and my weeks and putting it on rinse and repeat. Also those, I walk in the woods, this wooded trail with some people like three times a week, I have different walking partners. And, um and what I love about that is it's like triple whammy. We're moving our bodies. We're connecting And we are in nature and receiving the health benefits of nature. Okay, so tomorrow, when this airs, tomorrow is the last day to register for the Befriend Your Inner Critic workshop that I'm offering. Um, And next week, I will share more about a new season, the autumn season of my B&B community or the brave and beautiful community. Our theme for year five, which runs, um, you know, autumn, it, it goes in seasonal sessions. So autumn through next summer, the theme is filled up and overflowing. Um, and I'll share more next time. Excited about that. And until next time, I'm going to leave you with this thought or practice. Make peace with messiness to make space for joy. Until next time.